Happy to be here right now once again telling you about my old friend's Mac Weldon. I'm wearing it right now. That's no joke, Mac Weldon. Very, very good product. I wear their underwear, but all their products have smart design, premium fabrics, simple shopping. It's very comfortable underwear. They also have socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants. And guess what? They are the first ever sponsor. They were the first sponsor of this podcast, and I, uh, I'm psyched about this relationship because they're good people with a good product that you can trust and that I can vouch for personally. You'll look good in these things. They perform well. You'll work out in them. You go to work in them, dates, everyday life. It's good. My wife says I look good in them. I bet you'll look good in them too. Go to MacWeldon.com. Get 20% off using promo code BEAUTIFUL. Hello, cardboard sailors of this world. You're listening to Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People, a.k.a. Beautiful Anonymous. It's one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one. I think it'll be more fun. And I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. You guys are about to hear a little bit of a departure from the norm for us, but it's an exciting one. This is our first ever live episode. We were part of the Vulture Festival. It was very nice of them to have us. And I tell you, we were all we were all here on our end debating what's the best way to do this. Do we set up some sort of booth where someone can enter it live? Do we do we involve the live audience and they give us our call? But it was uh, it was tough to figure out how to maintain anonymity. So I said, let's do a phone call front of a crowd and see if a crowd will buy into the idea of sitting there and listening to a person have a phone call but i tell you what it was really good john and greta came up with some great ways to interact with the crowd as you'll hear um the the whole live audience was kind of offering input the whole time and it was a very cool thing and i'd like to do more of them and i'd love to hear what you guys think and our caller was very kind a very uh, stressed out canadian i don't generally think of of canadians as as stressed out people but guess what that is that's me stereotyping um, Canadians positively as a calm people who have it figured out more than I genuinely do. But I want to thank everybody. I want to thank everybody who uh, was a part of this live audience for being so cool. I found it to be a really fascinating, challenging thing. I've been performing many years. It was very challenging, but I think everybody left feeling pretty good about it, pretty excited. And I would love to do more of these. Give me the feedback. Let me know if you would ever come if we, if we did more of these, if you would attend if we came to your town. And that might open up the potential that we can start doing these things. It would be very cool. So let us know on the Earwolf forums and Reddit and Twitter and all those things. In the meantime, let's take it to the Casper Mattress Podcast Lounge at the Vulture Festival. Hi, how are you guys? Thank you so much for coming out. It's really nice of you to be here. Uh, my name's Chris Gethard, and today we're doing the first ever live taping of, of uh, my podcast, Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People, which most people just call Beautiful Anonymous at this point. It's pretty much just already the name is Beautiful Anonymous. Um, thank you guys um, for, for coming out. And are you, do, you, do you guys listen to the show? That's good. That's astounding to me. <laughs> That's very strange to know. Um, thank you guys for doing that. 
We're gonna, here's how it's going to work. We're going to talk for a few minutes up top, and I'm going to explain some things about the show and about what's going to happen today. And then we're going to get an actual phone call. And then afterwards, uh, I think we're going to do like a quick Q&A. And I'd love to um, say thank you to all you guys personally, um, face-to-face, as it were. Um, so th- let me tell So this show, it's very funny. I had no... Um, oh, I just immediately spilled water everywhere. <laughs> immediately. I do that almost before every taping. Uh, John can tell you, John... <laughs> John, who is here today, John and Greta, John Delore and Greta Cohn, um, really are the, the gears that make the show work. Greta couldn't be here, unfortunately. John will tell you that's the third time he's seen me spill water in two days. The third time. Um, so the show, I had no intention of it being successful or popular um, at all. I figured we'd like put some out and see how it goes. Like I was like, oh, we'll take phone calls, and then that seems like easy to produce and dumb. Oh, people are smartly moving the electronic equipment out of the pools of water I have created. Oh, boy, this is already not ideal. Um, so, yeah, I thought we'd feel it out, and then This American Life very kindly featured a piece from the very first episode, and now it's by far the most popular thing I've ever done in my life, which is a little frustrating when you've been actively trying to build a career in comedy for 16 years. And then you just take some phone calls and all of a sudden people... I get so many tweets from people that are like, Hey, I've never heard of you. Love the show. And it's both a compliment and immensely hurtful. Immense, and I want to apologize. I'm so sorry. We're using all the napkins. Every napkin in the building has been dedicated to my... Um, Foolishness. I'm going to go ahead and move this off the floor so it doesn't happen again, but then I'm scared I'll spill it directly onto my wife's computer, um, which is not good. So, yeah, some things to know about the show. Um, a lot of people ask, like, uh, like how, do you, how much call screening do you do? And the answer is, like, pretty much none. Um, it's legit. It is what it's, we say it is. I just tweet out the number. Sometimes I Instagram it, too. And... Uh, after, you know, we get the calls and usually we patch the first one through. Sometimes what happens is we'll get three or four quickly and they'll build up in the phone bank and John will just talk to all of them and just sound... Basically, it's like who sounds most awake is like the amount of call screening that we do. And um, what else? The common criticism is that I interrupt people too much. Totally cop to that. 100% true. Especially in the earliest episodes when I was nervous, I tended to talk over people. And I thank you guys all for both putting up with it and letting me know... Um, constantly on the internet that you're not psyched about it. Um, message received loud and clear. And uh, what else? Oh, so today, so this is the first ever time we're doing this live. It's an experiment, and I want to thank you guys for being a part of it. And uh, I understand that there's an hour of, of drinking that you're privy to, and my hope is that you guys will drink uh, like 20 to $30 worth of drinks so that it takes the pressure off this. Um, so here's some things just to keep in mind is one, it is a phone call. We don't know what the quality of this person's phone or location is going to be. So we've tested it and the sound guys have very kindly been working it out to get it as high quality as possible. But there's probably some level to which you guys are going to need to like focus in. I have this handy earpiece, so I'll be able to hear the call pretty clearly, but I'll be the person who can hear it most clearly in the room. Um, and I do apologize ahead of time if it's a little difficult to make out, but that's the way of these things. That's sometimes how it goes. Uh, we also wanted to like open it up so you guys could participate so where most live events would say like hey shut off your phones we're going to go ahead and say turn on your phones and what we're doing is if you have twitter and if you have any questions or any concerns or things that are coming up um, during the taping you can actually use a hashtag on twitter we're using butte vulture b-e-a 
A-U-T, vulture. We wanted it to be weird so that it wouldn't just, like, flood people's um, stuff. But if you, if you tweet at me, then you won't be bothering the rest of your followers. And if you put Butte Vulture on it for questions, those will go to John. John will send them to me, and I'll be able to incorporate them into our, our uh, phone call today. And that's really, as far as production goes, all that happens is I show up at Earwolf, and I sit down, and I tweet out the number, and then John and Greta are on the other side of glass, and then they listen, and I listen, and sometimes they just type things in here to let me know, like, hey, don't forget the person said this. And that's really all we're doing with this podcast, and uh, that's it. What else do we need to talk about? So here's a weird thing that I've been trying to figure out for this, is that I think this show hinges upon the caller feeling a real sense of intimacy. Um... (laughs) which today almost sort of betrays the very premise of why they feel comfortable opening up because people do open up way more than you know. Way, like, that's another thing. People have said, like, are, how many calls do you have to throw out? And the answer is, like, shockingly few. I can really only think of two that we were like, yeah, we probably wouldn't use that. One, because it was, um, like, just a little, like, the... I dropped the ball is what happened, if I'm being honest. I couldn't get anything out of it. And another one because a person talked about... Uh, it was just like they were just trying to get free therapy which I am not looking to provide my therapist actually listens to the show and told me like you have to cut the shit you have no right to give anyone advice there's no world in which you should be giving anyone advice about how to get their shit together she was like I heard that one they put on This American Life and the idea that you would be like hey man you need to like get your career in line is ludicrous because it's all you've complained about to me since 2007 all I've heard about is you bitching about your career inadequacies. So chill. So now I've very, I try to always say like, you know, I cannot help you, but I'm here to listen. And you'll also, here's another thing. People always yell at me online. They're like, stop asking the person if you can, like, I always say like, is it cool if I ask a question about something? And they're like, stop, they call to show. But I actually call bullshit on that because I feel like my job is to make these people feel like I'm not here to squeeze um, stuff out of them or exploit. So I think, I don't know, that's about it. So use that hashtag Butte Vulture. Um, I think that'll go up on the screen too. Oh, it's already up there. That's good. Um, and then, yeah, I think what we'll do is we'll just... What's that? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Should we be quiet? Maybe we'll do this. I, I, here's what I'm thinking is I think at the very least what we'll do is we'll get a caller. And I think it's just on me morally to very clearly up front explain to them um, that there's a crowd. There's like over 100 people... <laughs> Listening. So what I might ask is maybe you'll follow my lead. I'll ease them into that. We'll all be in it together. And then throughout the call more and more, I will make an effort to involve you guys and uh, ask for your opinions. But I think the vibe that might be good is like if you've ever been in like a car where there's a speakerphone on and you're like, <laughs> but you try like, I think that's okay. But yeah, there'll be times where you want to laugh or cheer or boo maybe. And those things are all valid. But I'll, I'll say maybe like let me ease into it. Oh, because here's another very fascinating thing that listening to the show, I wonder if you've sensed, but that we picked up on really quickly is that a lot of times what happens is the first 20 full minutes are pretty boring chit chat. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, okay, cool. Anything else? And it's like, takes about 20 minutes for people to get comfortable with me. And it'll be 20 minutes of like, oh yeah, the weather in my, my area, the country's like pretty uh, rainy lately. And that'll happen for 20 full minutes. And then I'll be like, anything else you want to talk about? And they'll be like, oh, I once witnessed 11 people get murdered on my front lawn. And I'll be like, oh, uh, well, I want this to be a safe space. So... If you don't want to talk about that, we don't have to, but I would love to know about 
the 11 murders. And then we just talk about that forever. And then, um, and then um, Ira Glass likes it. <laughs> is what happens. Is what happens, which is astounding. So I think that's, that's a great question. So maybe let's just be on that. Speakerphone, presence of speakerphone rules until we ease into it, make sure the person's okay. Because it really is. My job ultimately is to take care of the caller on the line. Remember that the quality might come and go. Let's just focus in and uh, quiet should help with that. Any other thoughts or questions or concerns before we get into it? Awesome. And thank you guys so much for being here. It really, really means a lot um, for you guys to be here. First ever time we're doing this live. It's pretty cool. So I'm going to go ahead on Twitter. Oh, no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use Instagram today so that way to involve you guys, but also so nobody's surprised. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead. Okay, so you guys are all in it. I also, I mean, you can probably see from the back of the room, I could not be a more pale human being. You can see it on my phone. I could not be... Oh my god! I did. I put up a. Um, I did a, a, a. I do a TV show, and I saw a comment the other day where a guy said, "Chris Gethard makes every other male on earth look like Brad Pitt," and I was like, "Oh god, people are so comfortable being just fucking mean to me." And I don't. Someone on Twitter asked me last night, "Why is the world so okay with being aggressively mean to you?" And I was like, "I don't know. It's been my whole life, though, so I don't know." Anyway, I'm going to tweet out the number. I'm going to say, uh, first ever." Live taping of beautiful anonymous. Call in now and talk to me and about 200 others. Other people. And then I'll put the number up. I always have to triple check to make sure I don't send like a thousand phone calls to someone. Oh. Stranger. First ever live taping, beautiful anonymous. Do I have my spelling right? Uh-huh. Oh wait, I'm gonna just add, I am pale. Tag it as the high line, so people know we're a real New York show. And it's up. And now we just wait. Thank you guys. OMG, you got the first like. Well done. This is tough, too, because the caller, I want to be intimate. But I'm also a comedian by trade, so I just want to make you guys laugh. Uh, So I have to... I either bore you or insult a person in my ear is my fear. But I'll try to do both. We'll see. 35 likes already, and I am vain enough to check. Oh, Klein, Klein KP using the hashtag. Well done, Klein KP. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Uh, Hi, this is Chris Gethard. Hello? Hey, uh, how's it going? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. You're on. Um, You also, I just want to right off the bat mention, um, this is the first time we've ever done the show live. You're our first caller to our first ever live show, so thank you for that. But I just need to be clear. If you're not comfortable with this, you can feel free to hang up now. There's around 200 people in the room with me listening to this on the speaker. So I don't want to put pressure on you, but I do just want to be upfront <laughs> about that. Is that cool? Uh, I didn't expect this to get through. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. I get that. Um, but yeah, you nailed it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Um, and remember, I was just like tracking Twitter and I saw it. Yeah, yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, and re- yeah, re- just remember don't tell me your name and uh, 
you're allowed to hang up at any point you want to for any reason, but I won't hang up um, for an hour, and then at an hour it'll automatically cut us off. So, um, and please, just so you know, okay. if, if you can just like really um, make an effort to talk clearly and focus on the mic on your phone, that would help us a lot because it's a live event. So, I'm just calling on Skype. So oh, nice. That's, it might be even worse. That's reliable. That's cool. So, what do you want to <laughs> talk about? Uh, I don't know. This is weird. I didn't expect to get on your show. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> well, it doesn't. You don't. It doesn't need to be. Uh, you don't need. There's no pressure. You don't need to impress anybody or entertain anybody. It's just uh, we get to talk. So whatever. We can literally just chit chat for an hour, and that's totally fine by me. Okay. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So what's going I'm on? I'm from Canada. Oh, you're from Canada. Wow, I think you might. Yeah. I think you might be our first international caller as well as our first live caller. No pressure. Yeah, none. No, none at all. None at all. Honestly, none at all. Like the good thing about this show is you're anonymous. So if this is a disaster, I'm the only one who can get in trouble for it. Like you're good to go. Nobody knows. Right, and if this one isn't good, you don't have to post it online. It's just a live one. Yeah, it's true, and we'll have. It'll just be people. Three people in the room will be like, yeah, it was, it was fine, uh, which is okay. That's okay. It was mediocre. Yeah, I'm often called mediocre, so I would be used to that. So uh, can- I like Canada a lot. I've done, the, uh, I, I've done comedy up there a bunch of times, and I love it. It's like the most, I feel like Montreal has the Just for Laughs Festival, which I've, I've, I've done a few times, and then Toronto. I've had great times in Toronto. I don't know if you're near either of those places. I am near Toronto. That's where I'll say is mine area. Yeah, that's cool. I love that city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The crowd, the crowd is messing with you, isn't it? You're not, you're not loving the fact that there's a crowd listening. I don't know. I don't know what about this I'm not loving, uh, but we'll just, we'll just get through it together. We will. And I also want you to know everybody here is just like chill and hanging out and I think has your back and understands that so uh, we'll just try to uh, shut them out of things and not let them affect the uh, the quality of our conversation. Sure, it's just you and me and laughter. Yes, that's like it. a laugh track. That's okay. You're getting the laughs. You're killing it. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I was in Toronto, mm-hmm. I actually met these like my mom had these long lost cousins. Um, like my whole family's Irish, and my grandfather left for America, and one of his sisters wound up in Canada. And I met these cousins for the first time. It was really odd. It was cool, though. Huh. <laughs> so I guess I could come up with something to talk about. Yeah, you can if you want. <laughs> you can if you want. It's your hour, so it can be, if you um, want it to just be this, that's fine. Or we can talk about whatever. What's the deal? Yeah. What, what do I need to know about you? You let me know. So I am trying to play my age, or is that weird? Yeah, no. You can do whatever you want. Okay, I'm 26. Um, I live in a city near Toronto, but not Toronto. And on Wednesday, I got an email from a job I was in the running for saying I didn't get it. Oh, you didn't get and the job. I didn't get the job. That's a bummer. Did you really want it? Yeah, and I really wanted it, and I was really qualified. And it was like a position at, at a city. And there were a certain, there were more than ten spots available, and they just sent me this super shitty form email that was like, "Hey, we pick someone who has more 
qualifications and experience than you do, but I had all the qualifications and experience. Wow. And the kicker is that someone I know who is also trying to get the job, she got it and she doesn't have the background or the experience. Wow, you know the person who got it and you're like, no, I stomp her. Yeah, well, she was one of 10 people who got it, so... 10, so you weren't in the... T- so it was 10 people got it and you were like number 11 or 12. I guess so. They haven't given me any feedback. Wow, that sucks. I also like knowing that this is like Canadian rage. But I'm hearing Canadian <laughs> rage. Like, I hear you... I hear the actual bitterness and it's the angriest I've ever heard a Canadian person. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I feel upset with sort of like the system and... I just feel like if I was, they score the interviews too and all of the process and all, there was like a test that went into it. Uh-huh. So each I got like a 4.5 out of 5 and she got like a 4.6. Who's to, I guess this, I'm just really thinking about how we recruit people to jobs. And this seems to happen a lot to me where I'll get kind of like the last round and then I won't get it. But I just know that I, I don't know, it's really it's really hard because I know I work really hard. I, um, sorry, I don't want to cry. Um, I work really hard. I, uh, I do all the interview prep. I, um, I, uh, I, my resume is great. I do all the cover letters. I do everything and I still can't, I still still can't get a job and I'm just doing these shitty sort of like freelance part-time contract to contract to contract things and then nothing's working out at all so that's where i'm at yeah, right that's, now that sounds stressful i'm sorry that you're dealing with that you don't have to apologize for crying on uh on this show <laughs> happens all the time i'm i'll tell you this i'm i cried yesterday because i was tired <laughs> like you're good you have real reasons to cry i cry i have like i have like I have a, I'm feeling good about uh, my career, and I cried yesterday straight up because I was like, why won't the train get me home faster? I've never felt overqualified in my life for pretty much anything, professionally or personally. So I'm going to ponder that as we take this break. Hear from some of our lovely sponsors who help make this show happen. Guys, you know what I think is really remarkable about the Casper mattress? An in-house team of engineers spent thousands of hours developing the Casper. Engineers are very smart people. These are people who are not messing around. The Casper combines springy latex, supportive memory foams for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink, just the right bounce, and it's breathable. You sleep on that. It helps keep you cool, regulates the temperature. This is something I need in my life. My wife is constantly telling me I sweat in my sleep. It's gross. I don't feel good about it. And mattresses, they can cost you over $1,500. But Casper, I mean, we're talking a range from $500 for a twin-sized up to $950 for a king. Super reasonable. Buying a Casper mattress also is risk-free. This is very cool. They will deliver it for free, and they give you free returns. You sleep on it for 100 nights. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up. They'll refund you. That's good customer service. They understand that you got you to gotta sleep on a mattress to know what you're getting before you commit. So you can spend a third of your life on this thing. They're cool about that. Casper, Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. In fact, it's now the most awarded mattress of the decade. Free shipping returns to U.S. and Canada. 100 nights. You can't go wrong. It's made in America. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com beautiful. Use that offer code beautiful. Terms and conditions apply. 
Let's get back to a little more of that Canadian rage. Live from the Casper Mattress Podcast Lounge at the Vulture Fest. So that's where I'm at yeah, right that's, now. That sounds stressful. I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. You don't have to apologize for crying on, uh, on this show. <laughs> Happens all the time. T- I'll tell you this. I'm, I cried yesterday because I was tired. <laughs> like, you're good. You have real reasons to cry. I, cry, I, have, like, I have, like... I have a, I'm feeling good about uh, my career, and I cried yesterday straight up because I was like, why won't the train get me home faster? Like, so you don't have to worry about crying. It sounds really stressful. It sounds, here's, a, can I, here's a question I have is like, you've brought up this one girl who got one of the 10 slots. Is this, this is someone you knew. Is this someone who you um, liked before this? Is this situation turning your opinions on her? Or is it like, no, you always had a bad feeling about this girl in your field? Um, I, she's always just been like a friend of a friend and I don't really have any animosity towards her because, you know, I'm Canadian, I'm nice. So, um, and, and, and like you say, this has been going on for a while. How many jobs have you applied for? And do you feel like, is this something that you feel like is like a recent, um, stretch of your adult life, this, this, uh, bad luck streak, or do you feel like you've been kind of like a bad luck person with it for a while? Um, what's well, interesting to think about because I, so I was laid off from a really small startup. We have those around this area in sort of the Toronto area. And that was in March of last year. And then I started my own summer camp in the summer, that summer. And then after the summer camp ended, I was like, oh, I don't really want to do the summer camp again next year. So I looked for jobs pretty much consistently from September to, I would say, now. (laughs) And I've only been getting kind of like shitty hour jobs, like four hours a week or 10 hours a week doing random things. Wow. Can I, I want to jump back a second. Did you say you started your own summer camp? (laughs) Yes, I did that. Yeah. For children, you started a summer camp for children. Children, was it a day camp or a sleepaway camp? Uh, it was a day camp for kids. Uh huh. Because for kids, um, and it was in my city, and the kids. Uh, I don't want to get too specific about what the kids did, but they yeah. made art, basically. Oh, they made art. That's beautiful. That's really cool. It's yeah. F- it's funny, when you said you started a summer camp, I immediately in my head was like, oh, that's right, someone has to start that. Someone has to choose to start a summer camp, and that's a specific choice. Like, who was the first person that was like, I'm going to buy a lake and have children live there for months. I'm going to have someone <laughs> have children. I'm going to have all the kids show up together somewhere, and I'll be the brains behind that operation. Like, who was that? That's cool. That's really cool. Um, but you're not, you weren't, that wasn't totally your bag, huh? Uh, it was just, I was doing it all myself. And uh, there was a lot of, a lot that went into it. There's a lot that goes into a summer camp that you don't really know about. You have to kind of advertise to parents. You have to get the kids. You have to be trained yourself. You have to make sure that you have all the right qualifications. Um, You also have to, like, come up with the curriculum and activities, and there's liability and insurance. It's just a whole thing. Yeah. That is, that's a lot of paperwork and logistics. So do you... 
are you an artist yourself? Were you like trying to pass it on to the youth as you were you were figuring out your own uh, your own destination in life? I guess so. Um, like I do multimedia type stuff. Like that's my my job. I guess would be marketing slash multimedia e things. But this was like a well, it was like an art camp where they they made zines. Do you know what zines are? No, I'm not. I'm not sure. So they're uh, small little booklets of photocopied paper, basically, and you can put whatever you want in it. Oh, zines. And it really... Zines, oh, yeah. I thought you said D's. I misheard you completely. <laughs> zines, yes. No, I'm, I'm intimately no- acquainted with zines, yeah. I, I used to run one. I used to run one in high school. I used to run a punk rock fanzine called No Sign of Charlie. That's a thing I've kept hidden from the world since I was 15 years old. No one will be able to track down copies. Um, it all comes out, yeah. Yeah, punk rock. So you had kids making zines? Yeah, it was really fun. Um, That's right. It was really, yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Are you a punk rocker? Do you like the punk rock stuff? or Because zines have also spread. I always knew them through punk, but they've spread to like a lot of graphic novelists and like everything, food zines. Like, but are, do you have that background? Uh, I mostly make zines or made them about myself. So like the really sad personal zine. The emo, yeah, the emo zine. I like the emo zine. <laughs> Love Not a good emo, emo zine. But just, yeah, okay, emo. But I would write, I would make a zine and give it to someone and they'd be like, this made me cry. <laughs> I love that. Don't you love... Listen, you and I are... It sounds like we're both people who make art that makes people cry. I like that. It's... I don't know. It's like... I, how do you feel about that? How do you feel when you make something and it makes another person cry? Because I go back and forth. Because on, on one hand, I'm like, I'm like uh, okay, cool. We're connecting and there's some emotional resonance there. And then there's also a part of me that's like, why do I need this? Why do I need this? Do you ever feel that? It's, it's a really hard... Thing to grapple with because if someone says to you, "Hey, this made me cry," it's a response, and clearly it resonated with them. But then it also made them feel bad. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you ever psyched though? I sometimes get proud when I get people to cry, <laughs> but I'm also a comedian, so I'm like, "Oh yeah, that means that I'm like important," you know? I'm like, I'm like doing something <laughs> more important than just jokes, which is bullshit because it's all emotional manipulation. That I'm very well aware of. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I guess it means that I made something that mattered, and yeah. that the person it mattered enough to them that they cried. Yeah. And are you like? Does your zine making and does your interest in art extend to these jobs you've been trying to get? No. <laughs> what? Um. Yeah. No. Oh, you just laughed in a way that made me feel like when you tell me what the jobs you're going for are, I'm going to be a little confused. Yeah, so I've, I have a really diverse background uh, with my skill set. So I worked in a library for a while. I have this background in sort of DIY arts and crafts and zines, and I have this multimedia background. So any combination of anything related to any of those jobs is what I've been applying for. In huge quantities. Yeah. Like hundreds of jobs. What was the, uh, are you comfortable saying what the job was recently? The one that that, uh, the one that that girl that you uh, would be (laughs) so mad at if you were an American? 
is? <laughs> um, it, it's, it was a job at a city. At, the, at a city. At a city. Oh, so yeah. that's what I'll... You don't want to tell me. You're not into it. That's cool. You don't want to tell me everything, but you don't really know me. I get it. I get it. And you, it probably, I, bet, I, bet, I bet there's also a part of you that's like, I could say it, but then they find it, and then I won't get any more jobs. Or when, exactly. when, three of, exactly. when the three of those ten people quit because they're not as good as me, as my experience, as my resume, when those fucking quitters realize they didn't have the backbone to push through on this like I would because I got that Canadian fucking strength, that maple syrup strength. Then exactly. I won't get that That's job. 100%. Yeah. Okay. So you're being cagey as sort of like a, a career choice. That's good. That's good. I respect that. I enjoy that. Yeah. It's also, it's also, there's so many, there's so much career advice that tells you to basically strip all of your personality from your social media profiles. Oh yeah. It's just like, they're going to find it. Just strip every, everything that could be misconstrued as inappropriate or not the hiring manager's type of, humor or anything like that so that's depressing i'm almost the opposite like not having a personality as a comedian i feel like the more inappropriate my social networking is the more touring dates i'll get booked for the more college gigs i'll get i just had somebody on facebook i've been doing like a facebook um wholesale i'm unfriending everybody right now i put up a picture of me with my mom meme with my mom and some guy I never even met who lives in Ohio put a comment up insulting my mom's appearance and I was like oh cool I'm unfriending literally everyone <laughs> except about 36 people so I've been it's fun I tell you it feels good I go on Facebook every day I wake up here's what I do I wake up I grab my phone I go and I sit on the toilet for way too long because I'm 35 years old and I've never taken care of myself. And I go on Facebook and I just read people's stuff. And if I see a name where I'm like, would I be comfortable with this person leaving a comment on my mom's photograph? If, they, if the answer is no, unfriend. And it feels so good. It feels so good. And I'll tell you what, you know what actually feels best? If they post something interesting and I click on the link, read an article, and I was like, oh, that was actually pretty cool. And then I go back and I unfriend them anyway. It feels so good to be like, that's not what this is about. This is not about your ability to uh, entertain me or to like, realize that we have some common politics or interests and in culture and that through social media we might connect as friends. What this is about is me protecting my mom and it makes me feel like a real human being and I love it. That's awesome. It's fine. I... It's pretty melodramatic actually. As I, <laughs> as I say it out loud, I realize that I'm on some hero's journey every morning, but really what's going on is I just can't get that gas out. That's really what's going on, but it's a pretty melodramatic thing. Well, it's okay to opt out of things you don't like anymore or opt out of people or situations. I think we gotta, I think we gotta, right? You gotta get, you gotta protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what's, uh, what are we going to do? Like, you're stressed about this job stuff. You said you've applied to a bunch right, of them. Yeah, and I'm at the point now where, like, have you ever had the feeling, like, I really thought I was going to get this job because I have the right, like, some people were like, oh, I should have got that job. This was like, I was really sure I was going to get this job, and now I feel like, how do I, it's like, you're, I don't know. I always make these weird metaphors and people are like, I don't really understand it. But it's like you're building a boat to go on like an ocean and you're building this boat for a long time 
And then you realize that the boat is actually made of cardboard and then it's like sinking and you're in the ocean. You're like, what the, what did I even do? Why did I do that? Why am I here? What should I just, I don't know. Right, right now I'm just like, I should go to Ireland or anywhere because I just have no idea what I'm doing with my life or anything. Will this lead to a fanzine called the cardboard boat? I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. Sure. Someone could make that. There's people in the room. So they no, can I was talking about you. I was, I was referring specifically <laughs> to your ability to make a fanzine about it. It's cool. It's a great metaphor. It's a really, really great um, metaphor. It's beautiful. I don't mean to be facetious about it, but it really struck me. And... Uh, uh, yeah, we have, I'll tell you what, we've also, uh, we've got, I've, I told people, just so you know, full disclosure, because I feel like you're feeling comfortable with me at this point, you're feeling comfortable with the fact that there's a crowd here, would you say that that's true, like, it seems like we're in a, sure, yeah. yeah, we're in a rhythm now, I've, right? I've lost the deer and headlights feeling, That's so. good, that's good, that's and I'm good. sorry that we, uh created that i'll tell you this first of all we got about 40 minutes left and i'm really enjoying the conversation i think everybody else is too right i think so yeah people are pretty intrigued oh thanks and i also they're just saying that because they paid money to come here to go there (laughs) they're like yeah it's good i paid money to get in oh no Hey, I love that you instantaneously sense the pressure that that brings, but know that that's on me and has been for weeks since we announced this. The effect, I'll also tell you, and I love that the Vulture Fest had me, and I love that we're doing this live, but I didn't think to ask what the t- price of the ticket was first, and when I saw it, I was like, oh, shit, pressure's on gathered. <laughs> so I did know that. I'll tell you this, though. Beforehand, I told people that if they wanted to tweet at me um, from the crowd any thoughts about stuff going on, that I would be down to look at them. And I just saw one where a nice lady who's here right now who said, whose name is Michelle said, tell her she's only 26. I quit every job I ever had until I started my own business. That's I think that's pretty cool. That's cool to know, right? Someone else's oh, thank you. example. Yeah. Yeah, I also want to start another business, but I don't really know. The thing about starting a business is you need a little bit of money. And when you don't have a job, you don't have the money to actually start something so you kind of have to I don't know get the money slowly and then build up to something yeah that long con you gotta get that long con going <laughs> now can yeah. I now can I ask you something honestly and I'm sure. not I'm not trying to be a jerk I hope this doesn't come off jerky but if it's jerky I'll just hang up so Wow, the crowd is on your side in a big way. The crowd is feeling you. I like that you just exercised that authority. You were like, Gether, don't forget who rules this conversation with an iron fucking Canadian fist. Don't forget it. Um, uh, I was going to ask, though, so you have gotten rejected from these jobs, and uh, you're saying you have better qualifications. So is there anything that jumps out as to why that's not translating. Do you think maybe you're like, is there any part of you that's starting to like question those qualifications or is there any part of you that's like, there's other aspects of interviews or things like that, that are holding me back? Uh, to be honest, I have analyzed this every single way that I can think of. Um, I've like, I've gone for like my university offers coaching for interviews. So I've done that. I've done the sort of resume critique. I've done every kind of resume, like a sometimes a more artistic resume gets you them you in the door. Sometimes it's more of a professional resume. Sometimes it's a chill cover letter. Sometimes 
it's a really formal one. Sometimes, I don't know, I've tried every single kind of experiment that I can think of. I just think it's a bad, maybe it's just a bad time. Yeah. Let me, because there's, a, there's a, a guy named David sent a thought over where he said, ask her what she would ultimately like to do. And I think that that's a really great <laughs> question, because here's another thing. You, here's another thing that's coming into my mind. You're someone who makes fanzines about personal stuff. You're someone who starts art camps for children. There is a part of me that's like, why are you oh, so... Oh, it sounds really good. But there's a part of me that's like, why are you so sad about not getting a city job? Aren't city jobs notoriously, like, not for people who make fanzines and start art camps? Aren't city jobs for, like, the squares who wouldn't do that? Like, it seems like you're kind of doing a lot of stuff that people look to leave city jobs to do. Like, more often on this show, I talk to people who are like, I'm stuck in a city job and I want to start an art camp for children. Like, <laughs> it's almost always the opposite avenue. So what do you, why do you want this bureaucratic job that you can't say what it is um, because <laughs> the, Canadian, um, the Canadian powers that be may find it, recognize your voice, and further shut you out from the job? <laughs> I... I can tell you're fishing really hard, and I'm just going to not give it to you. But, um, yeah, I, I would ideally like to run my own business. Yeah, and so, you, th- you think the city job would be a good step in that process? Would it be like give you the credibility down the line to help that happen? Maybe not necessarily the credibility, but I think it would bring in income, uh, that I could use to put into the business that I could be starting. So you, you really are actively looking for the middle step day gig that will get you to your <laughs> ultimate destination. So there is an ultimate destination where you are not in the city job, which to me feels like the yeah, goal yeah. would be to get this job and then also save enough money to leave the job as soon as possible. Which I have to say feels to me like it is a... It sounds really bad. No, it doesn't sound bad. What it sounds like is smart. It sounds like a very smart, sensible way to act. But what I could maybe say, and I'm not saying this to be critical because I'm not, I don't, I'm not here to judge you. What I would say is it does seem a little sad that you would cry about it when it's not the goal in life. And I'm not saying that to be critical. I think that sounded harsher than I meant it to. But it did sound really harsh. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be harsh. But I feel like that job is a means to an end, right? It's a means to an end. I think it's not necessarily about not getting the job. It's about not getting all of the jobs. And yeah. it's about not feeling validated or feeling like your experience and background, that everything that you've done up until this point matters. It's about feeling that you do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and then you're just they're like, nope, not you, nope, not you, not you, not you, Chris, not you. And then you're like, well, what the fuck? Yeah, I like, get Like, what do I, what do I do? Like, why is this happening? Why can't I even get that job? Or, I don't know, it's just very frustrating. Yeah, sorry, I've, sorry, I've, sorry. I've, I was pretty short-sighted in judging the crying there. That's my bad. But I tell you, I will say very honestly, um, you know, like I'm, I'm, no, I'm no therapist, I can't help, but I can tell you my personal experience sounds in my life, in my industry, eerily similar to yours. Like eerily, like a lot of what you're saying reminds me about exactly what I dealt with. Every job that I went for that I felt like this is what I'm supposed to get to build my career 
soundly rejected me. And I can tell you that I've wound up happier than I thought I would be and happier than I think many people who knew me when I was younger guessed that I would be. I can tell you that very honestly. I don't know if it means much, but I can tell you that I remember all the jobs where I was like, I should be able to get this. I'm better than the people getting this. And uh, none of it worked out. But I think I wound up where I'm supposed to be. And that's pretty good. That's a pretty good thing to say. Yeah, hopefully I'll wind up where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You want to know my guess? I don't, I, here's my guess, is that you're going to wind up somehow skipping the line and getting to that place where you're running your own business and doing that thing that you want to do. And I think you're probably going to look back and say, like, thank God I didn't get that city job and have it for a few years. <laughs> also, someone named, Kat, someone named Kat just sent a message that said, I'm in the same cardboard boat as you. I think your cardboard oh. boat metaphor really hit home with this crowd. <laughs> I think the crowd really dug the cardboard boat, and I think we all feel like that. We know that feeling of, oh, no, this is wet, and it's not as sturdy as I thought it would be. Um, I, think, I think everybody in this room is rooting for you. Oh, thanks, everybody. Another thing came in from a guy named Eric. Does he, uh, he wants to know, have you thought about um, relocating, to uh, like leaving Toronto to a new smaller place where maybe I think the thought there might be that it might give a fresh start or maybe your skill set would... Uh... Toronto is Toronto's huge. Toronto is a huge and like notoriously... Uh, the stereotype... Like I, I grew up in New Jersey where all the stereotypes is that we're like scum humans... <laughs> Toronto is known to be like a very prideful, maybe even arrogant city, right? I do not live in Toronto. Oh, and you're psyched about that. You're psyched about yeah, that. I, uh, I, don't, I live around Toronto, but I don't live in Toronto. And the people where I'm from do not like people who are from Toronto. Tell me about that. So what's the shit you guys talk about Toronto? Let's get it out. If you're listening in Toronto, know that in some smaller unidentified city nearby, this is the type of shit they talk about you and your glimmering skyline. What do they say? What's the bullshit? Because I can tell. It's not just people in your town. As soon as I was like, you, have you ever thought about leaving Toronto? Your response was, I don't live in Toronto. You were like very, very clear. That's a line in the sand. What's bullshit about Toronto people? Let's do it. I don't really know what the bullshit is. I just, I know people who are from there and they've come to my city to run events. And I would go to Toronto in a heartbeat and show up to their events and do their thing, even though it's a bit of a commute. But when they come here, they're like, oh, the commute was so long. It's just, oh, I couldn't find parking and oh, this and all oh, that. And I don't know. They just take it for granted that everyone just gets to Toronto every day. It's pretty much my only gripe. That's the- and it's just, I don't know. It's, it's more of a deal. Like, now you can really do anything from anywhere. You don't have to live in Toronto. You don't have to live in New York City. You don't have to live in San Francisco. You can pretty much start something anywhere and I think there's a bias towards going towards bigger cities because people think that they're going to be better but they're not necessarily maybe when you get to a certain point but a lot of people will just go to Toronto to go there or it's like their means to an end legit rage is on the verge of bursting through (laughs) legit rage yeah yeah, you're not psyched about city, high-minded city. You're not psyched about people who would go to a big city to try to get ahead. You think those people maybe have their heads up their asses a little bit and they're not tapped into the way the modern world works. Is that what you're saying? Because 200 people in New York City are all <laughs> quietly nodding their heads in frustrated agreement, <laughs> wondering why we all pay the rents we do. 
because we thought dreams would come true here, but what really happens (laughs) is we all get the shit beat out of us every day. So somebody who moved to the Hudson Valley four years ago can just crush the graphic design world. That's how us New Yorkers feel. (laughs) Really resonated with somebody in the audience there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're nailing it. You're nailing it. So what's a... I don't know. You don't know what? So no, you go. Hmm? You said what? Oh. I had trouble... No, I interrupted you, and then I had trouble hearing it, and now it's just gotten uncomfortable socially. (laughs) I think everybody right now needs to take a little moment, sail on their own cardboard boat through the fanzine sea, as we hear from our sponsors. Have you heard about Ibotta? That is Ibotta. That's spelled I-B-O-T-T-A. Ibotta, it's the hottest app that puts cash in your pocket. This is everyday shopping. You can use it all the time. No coupons, no remembering promo codes. Instead, you got to get out there. You got to use Ibotta. Download the Ibotta app to earn cash on groceries, apparel, electronics, beer, wine, spirits, restaurants, more, everything. Everything out there. You unlock, you shop, you get cash. Download Ibotta free from the App Store. You get $10 just for trying it when you enter in the code STORIES. That's 10 bucks free. Ibotta, you get cash back every time. You shop, you've got a Ibotta. Go out there, get it done, use this thing. I-B-O-T-T-A. I bought a. Let's get back to that Vulture Fest, that Casper Mattress Podcast Lounge. Here's our live call, Beautiful Anonymous. So what's your, uh, when you're not thinking about work, what's your life like? What's, uh, someone, someone, Mesh Prince just sent this message. Like, what's, what's when you're not, when it's not all work? What's a day off? What's, what do you do for fun? Because this stuff is clearly stressing you out pretty hard. I mean, we're talking about it on a Saturday. So, like, what, what are you doing? Right. What's, what's the rest of your life like outside of the work? Or is the work really starting to weigh down on everything? Uh, well, I'm working right now. Um, well, I'm on a break. So I'm on my lunch break. Currently. Uh, and currently. So you're, like, worried about um, getting new jobs and maybe getting fired, and you're still risking it all <laughs> to talk to me. That's brave. No, 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 no. This is a... Like, I know exactly when this job is going to end, and it's in, like, roughly two months, so. Yeah. Cool. It's just the way the world works. Uh, but I like to, I don't know what I, I draw. I read a lot. Um, I read a lot of self-improvement books, which is really nerdy. Um, I spend time with my partner, uh, hang out with cats. I don't know. So you're Take an intro- long walk. <laughs> it's fair to say you're an introvert. Yes, yes. You draw, you read, um, you take long walks. Those are three of the things you listed. <laughs> yes. So you're not, um, you're not the most social person in the world. I bet, does that, do you think that magnifies the job issues? I can turn it on and turn it off. Uh, I've done... Uh, like I've done, I've done poetry performances like live in front of a stage. Um, I've done. Our city has a version of kind of like the moth and 
like li- telling a story live without notes. So I've done stuff like that before. Um, and people will often come up to me and be like, wow, you're really outgoing and can share a lot. And yeah. So. Wow. You're, I find it really you fascinating. You think you know me. <laughs> Wait, what's that? You think you know me. <laughs> well, I mean, I know you for the past half hour or so, however long we've been doing this. Um, but yeah, that's interesting that people react to you that way. But yeah, I, I will tell you this. Someone named Bram just sent a message to me that he is, he or she, I shouldn't assume, they are in the, in the crowd. They are from Toronto. And, uh, but they're not mad at you. They said that a zine, a zine day camp could work great for an after-school program in the city, which is super fascinating. They even said, or Hamilton, which I think was their effort to guess where you might be from. Oh. Now, here's what I love about that, caller, is first of all, your expressive way of letting us know, but what a slick Toronto way to reveal the truth. These slick Toronto motherfuckers backdooring it in, backdooring it in. They knew you were a Hamiltonian. That Toronto person out in the crowd was like, this bitter Hamiltonian will get their comeuppance. I'll tell them that their artistic pursuits will sound like a great after-school program, and then I'll pull the rug out and let them know you can never deceive or escape us. We are from Toronto. We are the all-seeing eye in the sky. We have an aquarium next to our baseball stadium. Um, Yeah. (laughs) It's so interesting. It's so interesting to me. I feel like I don't know if I'm the only person in, in this room who feels this way, but it feels like you're describing to me this life as an artistic introvert who makes things and helps kids make things and, and, and who has these long-term goals to do your own thing. And uh, I think that's so cool. And, and the, again, the city job, I, I don't want you to reveal it at this point because I'd be dragging it out of you, but it's so fascinating to me because you're living like, here's what it is. It's like you're living the life of a starving artist and I think a lot of people crave the romance <laughs> of that and seek out the ability to live exactly how you're living and you're like, no, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah, it's hor- you're saying it's horrible. Yes, it's horrible. Palmer. Don't so these bring this on to yourself. These long walks, these long walks. Where do you go on the long walks? Oh, uh, just around, I guess. Nowhere in particular. Um, I think if, if you just spend half an hour walking around your neighborhood and kind of just getting lost in the side streets, you really see a lot of things you didn't notice before. And I think a lot of people just kind of take the typical routes to get to work or on their commute, and then they just go home and chill out. But if you just... If you just walk around a little bit more, you might notice that, I don't know, something different that you didn't even know was there. So I just like doing stuff like that. You just dropped a bomb. You just dropped a bomb. (laughs) That's cool. That's cool, simple advice. My shrink actually gave me that. That was the first first advice my shrink (laughs) ever gave me in 2007 when I showed up. And to tie it all in, when I showed up, having a nervous breakdown largely caused by, uh, (laughs) not, not entirely partially caused by the fact that Saturday Night Live almost hired me to write for them and then didn't. And my life went into the exact tailspin of me feeling like you are now. How come I'm getting so fucking close to all this stuff that I feel like I could do and there's people getting it who I'm like, yeah, they're good, but I think I'm as good. That was a big one for me. And one of the very first things that my shrink said 
was you should walk home a different way every day. Never walk the same way <laughs> twice because you'll feel like you're stuck in a groove. You feel like right now you feel like you're stuck in a big metaphorical groove that you don't want to be in. And you can break that in a literal sense by just going physically to different places than you usually go, seeing different things. I think that's really uh, profound. If I just talked to you nine years ago, I could have saved myself tens of thousands of dollars on psychiatric <laughs> treatment. No, don't, don't uh, downplay it that much. I mean, it's important to get psychiatric treatment and it's, it's just, you should do it if you need it. So. Oh, and I do. And I do. <laughs> but yeah, I would agree with that. That's a good message to send. Me, someone who's known something as a public advocate for mental health stuff, just was like, I could have saved tens of thousands of dollars on that bullshit if I just walked <laughs> around the block twice. Not at all what I feel. Not at all what I feel um, in, in the least. So thank you for quietly and, and com- humbly and very Canadianly correcting me on that. Um, we're getting... Yeah, tons of, tons of, I'm getting tons of messages from people who are really rooting for you hard. Danny says, you're going to, you want to hear what people are saying or no? Does that weird you out? I can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. Here's what some people are saying. Danny is saying, you will get yours. You capital letters will make it. It's not (laughs) you. You will be picked and then you'll make your own and you'll capital letters crush it. I love that. Someone named Jacob says she don't need them to validate her. Which I like that Jacob phrased it in like a very, uh, very, very strange grammatical sense. She don't need them to validate her. Having done the A, B, C, and D means more than other people's opinions. I think that's super true, Jacob. Someone else? Oh, so Admiral, okay. Someone whose name on Twitter is Admiral Sluddington. (laughs) So do keep that in mind said loving her light Canadian accent, hashtag true north. So yeah, Uh, a lot of people are very charmed by you, my Canadian friend. A lot of people very charmed by you and rooting you hard. I think Jacob makes a good point. You're doing the work. You're doing the work, and that goes such a long way. And um, I cannot tell you how much I identify with that feeling of running head first into a fucking wall over and over again. I lived through it. I lived through it hard. And I wound up doing a show on fucking public access TV for years. And I didn't always feel great about that. But that was my way of just like, I will find a way. I will find a way. But I remember, I feel like I've been facetious with you a little bit. And I, I feel bad about that because I actually <laughs> feel like I know the exact feeling you're talking about. I could name names of other comedians who got jobs where I was like, I'm funnier. I could name names, but I won't because yeah. I'm no fool. <laughs> I'm no fool. We got 20 minutes left. I've been enjoying it. Have you, had, yeah. have you been enjoying this conversation? Yeah, I have. It's different. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, some people will be like, oh, you're so different. And it's, it means it's a bad thing. I kind of took it that way. It's a good thing. Oh, that's good. That's good. I hope it helps. I hope, it, uh, hope you at least get to vent a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I mean, I have been, so... Yeah, that's good. A guy, a guy named Matt just sent a message. He wants to know, what's the uh, story you told? You said you did a storytelling show like The Moth. What story did you tell? Oh, okay. I had a paper route when I was younger. So I talked about how I was really bad at delivering the paper to certain people's houses. Certain um, people's it's houses? Sort of a story. 
Yes, certain people's houses. Um, I had a lot of anxiety as a kid, so I would go door to door, and if someone's house looked really weird, I just would not deliver the paper to their house. It was a free commu- like a a free community paper, so it wasn't like they paid for it, but I just was like not going to their house. I love it. You were like, weird people don't deserve the news. You're like, weird people don't need, weird people don't have a right to keep up on current events. Fuck that. I'm not going to the weird house. Was it because you were like weirded out and scared of the houses because of your anxiety? Uh, that and, yeah, and there was, there was some, like, like my route, sometimes I wouldn't know if I was supposed to deliver to like these specific 10 houses because they were, Sometimes I'd have enough papers, and sometimes I wouldn't have enough papers. So it was like the people who were playing the route didn't even know if I was supposed to deliver there or not. <laughs> um, also, people didn't really have gardens. I was really, like, there was one house that just had mud and no grass and no garden, and then the house, so I'd never delivered there. Did you call them the mud <laughs> people? Were you like, the mud people? I must avoid the mud no, people. I don't know. It was just weird. They didn't care about their garden. And I was like, they probably don't care about getting the paper. So <laughs> that was my... <laughs> so you would use the physical appearance of people's houses to assume their other life choices. That's awesome. Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. But I like that. Very cool. You said you have a partner. Is this a, a person you enjoy? Feeling good about that? Yeah. Yeah, we've been dating for four years. So wow. it's been a long time. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do they help you? Do they help you with all the job stuff? Uh, yeah, she's really supportive with all the stuff. She's a shoulder to cry on when I'm sad. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Why is someone laughing? <laughs> They're laughing because you and I just had an exchange and then I weirdly stopped. (laughs) And they were wondering maybe like what I was thinking or why I was stopping. But I just feel like we covered that and you didn't want to talk about it and that's cool. And (laughs) and it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Supportive and yeah. Oh, another nice one came in from a person who refers to themselves as Dark Mackenzie. (laughs) Dark Mackenzie. This, too, <laughs> shall seem perfect in retrospect. There's a beautiful future that could never have come true without this struggle. That's a great thing to say. That's striking. I think... yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't agree with Dark Mackenzie at all. I don't know. It's just hindsight 2020, and I mean, I don't know. I... So this person, no, no, never mind. People who, I, I know people who just, it seems like, their life goes very easy and I don't feel like I've had a very easy go, especially with the job thing Yeah, and other things too, but other things too. Yeah. So you don't have to talk about those if you don't want to, but it's a pretty intriguing thing to say. Yeah. Other things too. I don't know. Um, when I was in university, I, uh, attempted suicide. So drop that. Um, and it took me longer to finish university than the normal four years. We call it university here, not college. But, uh, see, I was, I felt, I carried around a lot of shame for a long time about not graduating on time and taking the extra two years to really finish up. 
Well, I'm sorry you were. Uh, I'm sorry you were that bummed out. I've been there too, um, and that, that's really. Uh, I hated college, as we call it here, and uh, I, I also had some suicidal tendencies back then too. So I get it. I get it. So I'm sorry you dealt with that. Yeah. Thanks. I mean that sincerely. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean that sincerely. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. And thank you for calling and sharing this with me and all these people. It's really cool of you. Here, can I, here's a question. And I've asked it a few times. To me or to other people? No, to you, (laughs) to you. What is this? Everybody, I think everybody is confused by this city job goal. You seem like a really (laughs) fascinating person who's, like when I think city job, I'm like, what are you going to, are you going to like put, are you going to deal with red tape and paperwork all day? Like someone, someone <laughs> named Jane just sent a thing that was like, I know this doesn't really help, but I think these bad luck runs are because employers can tell you're bigger and better than them. And don't you think there's some truth to that? Oh. Like I've had, I've, I've been, I've now in a position with my career where we can actually give people jobs sometimes. And I will say, I've, there have been times where I'm like, that person would be the best at the job, but they're going to fucking leave because they're better than the position that we have. I actually had a guy who I fired where I was like, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be doing other stuff that you like more that you're aiming for in life. And he was like, yeah, I get it. Thank you for saying it. And, uh, and I don't know. Do you think like, like what this city job thing is the most confusing thing in the world. I'm sorry to go back to it. It's the most confusing thing. Well, let's say it's in, say it's, let's say it's in recreation. So it's kind of in my background. It's in recreation, which is kind of in your background. Okay. Okay, I'm not, I'm not fishing. I don't care at this point. But I don't know, man. Working for a city, although we're all New Yorkers in this room, working for our city in particular seems fucking terrible. <laughs> terrible. I was on a subway platform last night at the Barclays Center, which I don't know if you've heard of it. That's like a really, it's an arena in Brooklyn. And yeah. I was at the Bad Boy Family Reunion watching, it was great. It was rad. It was Puff Daddy, Lil' Kim was there, Lil' Cease was there. The locks were there. Mary fucking Jay Blige was there. They brought out Jay-Z, Nas, and Buster Rhymes. It was rad. It was packed out. Full stadium. <laughs> Subway afterwards at the Barclays Center. I'm waiting for the Q train. It is packed. And they have this poor guy with a dumpster on wheels who has his whole job <laughs> is clearly to get it from one end of the platform to the other. And all I could think was like, New York fucking city, can you just let this guy wait? 30 minutes until an an entire arena full of people clears that just drunk high people can they leave before this fucking poor man has to just push this thing from one end to the other while everyone's just mad at him city jobs seem terrible terrible and there's a lot of hardworking people that do them and i don't judge those people but they don't seem easy they seem like red tape fuck that city job go make zines Right? Yeah, the cardboard zine thing. Yeah, make the cardboard boat zine. I got 200 people who will buy a copy. (laughs) There's 200 people right there. Look at that. By a round of applause, who else is confused by this city job thing? There's something here, right? (laughs) Nobody wants you to have this city job. About I guess then it's like, how do you pay your rent then, Chris? You know, how do you pay your you rent? Know, how do you I don't pay know. Contract jobs. 
I don't know about that, but do you want to hear something else that I think might really apply to your situation? And this might be what people call tough love, my friend. You're about to get some tough love. Do you want to hear about it or no? Because I can back off. I'll hear it. I'll take it. You want to know another thing that my shrink said, who's probably listening? Hello, how are you? <laughs> you know what she said to Thank me? You, and it's friend. you, because you and I are similar people. We do different shit, but we're similar people. And I keep remembering what it felt like to see my friends move on and be the guy who everybody was like, you're going to be the next one to bust out of the UCB theater, man. And then it didn't happen. And then my students, I teach people in improv classes, and then they'd go get the jobs. And they'd ask me, like, I once had a student say, like, hey, I have an interview with Lauren Michaels about a writing job. Do you have any advice? And I was like, no. <laughs> He wouldn't hire me. And I've thought about it ever since. But I, when I started my shrink, you know what she said to me that I think applies to you? Is she was like, you need to give yourself no other option. And I was like, what does that mean? And she was like, anything you're doing that isn't in the thing you love, I don't get why you're allowing yourself to make money off of it. Because you're wasting time and you're frustrating yourself. And she was like, your problem, you're not getting so fucking freaked out because you might be a failure. You're getting freaked out because you don't know. And and that really rang true to me. And she was like, you need to stop taking money for teaching improv classes and doing like freelance magazine article writing and shit. She was like, you need to go all in on the shit you really want to do. You're not going to accept any money for stuff that's not acting or writing because that's what you want to do. And I was like, that seems like horrible advice. Horrible advice. And she said, why? And I said the same exact thing you just said to me, which is how will I pay my rent? Same exact question. And she goes, look, I don't know if you'll be able to pay your rent, but what you will learn at the end of it is if you are good enough to do this. And if you're not good enough to do this, you'll be okay with that and you'll move on and you won't sit around fucking wondering and stressing, which is the thing that's really literally killing you right now. Like that's the thing that's actually killing your soul is the wondering. So I don't know about paying the rent. But I'll tell you, it worked out for me. Like, I didn't accept money for that for years. I put a few thousand bucks in a savings account, and I was like, that's the money, that's the emergency. I can rebuild my life and pay my rent for a month money, and I'm going to everything else. I'm not going to accept money for anything else. And then I went ahead and I did that. And about nine months later, I found myself crying in my apartment because all of a sudden, for the only time in my adult life, if I had to pay my rent that day, I didn't have it. And I lived in Woodside, Queens, which you probably don't know about, but it's cheap. It's a cheap place. And I wouldn't have been able to pay my rent in Queens in my room with no closet. It was like I didn't have 600 bucks to my name. And I was like, this is it. I'm done. I got to give up. My shrink was right. I know I can't do it now. I guess now I can just be at peace and move on. And that was on a Tuesday, I think. And on Friday, I booked my first part in a movie. And it really was. Life kind of was like, until you were ready to kind of die on the sword for this shit, you didn't deserve it. So I don't know. I think that's what's killing me about the city job is that I very, um, in a very selfish, ego-driven way, identify with it. But I, I feel like rent, I feel like if you're a person as creative as you are who can just come up with that cardboard boat metaphor off the top of your head and you're saying, <laughs> no, I need a rent gig, I think it's just a little, it just like kills my, uh, kills my, I don't know, it just breaks my heart a little bit if I'm being honest with you. You're breaking no. my heart. You're breaking my heart, you Hamiltonian. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> yeah, I... Ham has I Hamilton I thought about way. saying this is the Hamilton you can get a ticket to as a... <laughs> As like a tourism no, phrase? No, we hate that. We hate that. You hate? I'm just, I'm, you I'm replying for all of Hamilton. We hate that. You hate any reference, any joke about Hamilton, the musical as a your city. You hate it. You honestly are the angriest Canadian 
I think the title of this episode will be The Angriest Canadian. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, dear. So I don't know. I just went on a rant yeah, about myself, which is pretty ego-driven. Yeah. So, yeah, you talk. I, I don't... So, uh... <laughs> So would you finish up what, like, I'm doing this job, doing this contract, is done in two months, and then that's it? Yeah. So sh- should I, I don't know, should, if you were me, what would you do? I don't know what you, know you should job do. Testing? I don't you know. You want to do this business? Yeah, I don't know. I would, I, I don't know. I don't know what you should do, and I'm not here to give advice, and I'm not qualified to give advice. Uh, <laughs> But I will say that if you have a dream bigger than the city job, I, don't, I really don't get why you're worried. Like, I don't get why you're not just finding a way to sneak through the back door to that dream. I don't get it. it to me, because here's the thing to me, and you're like the... Hamilton, Hamilton kind of seems... I'm getting the sense Hamilton might be the New Jersey of Canada. I'm getting that sense. It's it right is. next to it Toronto, is. and you fucking hate the Toronto people. And no offense <laughs> to the people in this room. Growing up in North Jersey, I was like, fuck city kids. Fuck them. If your dad works in the city, you're fucking pretentious as a rule. Like, that was what we thought in New Jersey. But it seems to me like if you're, like, this angry and you're a Hamiltonian, all these motherfuckers that reject you, I don't get why that's not putting a chip on your shoulder that's like, cool, I'll start my own thing and then I'll fucking shut you down. I'll start a competing business and I will destroy you. That girl who you made one of the top ten instead of me, I will make sure I dominate this industry and never give her a job again. Where's the sense of revenge? Hamilton breeds super villains, not superheroes, right? Toronto oh, is where yeah. Superman lives. Hamilton, you gotta be that nemesis. Where's your dark heart that wants to just <laughs> kick down the door and take your own shit if they won't give it to you? Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm gonna start it. You are? I'm just gonna do it. Oh, wow. I that's, am. That's cool. Well, I've been on. <laughs> I don't know. It's like. It's like when you ask your friend for advice and then you know the answer that you want to hear from them. And then, like, I ask you for advice, but I know what I should be doing anyways. Yeah. But it's just reaffirming that that's what I should do. Yeah, because I get the sense that you're, like, you're a pretty quiet person, but you've fought through suicidal thoughts. You make art. You've tried to help kids make art. And that tells me that on some level you're, like, you're someone who wants to cut. You're like not sitting back. You're someone who wants to like poke some holes in the status quo and let let people know like, hey, there's a there there it's it's not. We don't have to follow the rules. I'll write a zine that reminds you of that. I'll teach kids how to express themselves so they can remind you of that too. It feels to me like you gotta you, that part that part need, like all these motherfuckers that are rejecting you need to be seen <laughs> as people who are actually giving you permission to embrace that part even harder. That's what I think. We got, yeah. we got about four and a half minutes left, but I'm glad we're getting oh. to the place we're getting. And I'm not, I don't, uh, I don't want to give you advice. I'm just telling you what I would do. I'm telling you the parts of what you're saying that I don't understand. That's what, all I can do. But everybody has your back. You want to hear what Admiral Sluddington, Admiral Sluddington had a follow-up. I was a depressed, displaced. Sure. Cana- Admiral Sluddington <laughs> has your back hard. I was a depressed, displaced Canadian kid in Florida. Feels alienating when you think you're not a normal kid, but there is no normal. Great thought. My man Morrissey has a song where the chorus is, there is no such (laughs) thing in life as normal. And I agree with that. 
I agree with that. Albert, Albert says cardboard boats are dope. Keep building them. Keep trying. I like that. And someone named Nicole said you should make an art camp for adults in a rut. I want to leave my job. I'd leave it to go to a day camp to refresh. <laughs> Nicole would attend your day camp. Oh. I feel like one thing I've Thank learned you. through doing this podcast is there's so many frustrated fucking people right now who want to do their own thing. And we all kind of know we're not allowed to, but I think we all want to try. And I think these people in here feel that way. And I think there's a lot of people identifying with you. Oh, thank you. I think that you just have to, I don't know. I did the camp thing and then I hesitated. And then I'm just going to do it and set a timeline, whether it's money or whatever, and just do the next thing. Because I don't know, what's the point of life? You just do a shitty job for nine to five every day and there's even no guarantee back to the cardboard boat that that's going to be what will pan out in the end. Yeah. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying don't, I don't want to feel like I'm responsible for saying don't go make (laughs) money, don't pay your rent. But what I am saying is, uh, uh, I think it's very fair to say like, remember that that's the short game and you've defined it as that in your own life. And if people don't want to let you on the field for the short game, I don't see why you don't just start playing the long game, you know? So I'm not here to try to read. I don't want to be responsible for, uh, for redefining all that stuff, but I would be really, I, I would be really inspired if you do is what I would say. I'd be really inspired if you do. We've got two Thank minutes you. left. We've got two minutes left. Uh, okay. What did people talk about in the last two minutes? What's that? <laughs> what do people even say in the last few minutes? What are people saying in the last few minutes? Uh, I, let me see if we can get some, uh, some thoughts patched through to me here on my computer. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I will say this. I'm predicting that when this episode comes out, there's going to be a lot of tweets with the hashtag cardboard boat. I think that's how people are going to let the world know that they have your back. We're all just floating in a cardboard boat together. We all thought, we all got, we all walked to this dock. We all bought a ticket for this steamership and we wound up in the middle of the sea and said, this shit is cardboard. I feel like that's how we all feel. I feel like we all think that that's what our parents handed us. Maybe a little bit of a false dream about being individuals. We were also, we're a generation of people that were told like, no, go be a beautiful individual. And now we're growing up and it's like, well... How do I fucking eat, mom? Like, we're all feeling that. That's what this podcast has taught me. Why did you guys all tell us that we were beautiful individuals? We are, but also now we're all sitting around with our fucking dicks in our hands, metaphorically, ladies. I'm a feminist and a supporter, but we're all sitting here pissing in the wind like, what the fuck? 45 seconds. Yeah. Uh... 45 so I seconds. I'm going to do, do what I, what I want to do. And I guess in the last few minutes, I think everyone who's hesitating should just start their own thing. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you're thinking about doing, just go and do it. I think you at least got to try. And if you fail, then you get to move on. Why not? You're exactly. Aim, don't aim for the middle. I think we got to, in life, I think artists especially, <laughs> you got to aim for the greatest shit in the world or the worst shit in the world. If you land in the middle ground, you're contributing to fucking bullshit. You might as well just make fucking sitcoms at that point. <laughs> yeah, I, so just go out and do it. I just do cost it. myself so much future do employment. <laughs> do it. Go out and do it. Say that one more time for do me because I need to do hear it too. Just go out and do it. Good luck. I hope you find those jobs you're looking for. 
I am here. I am at uh, the Vulture Festival with a crowd of a couple hundred very, very nice people. Thank you guys all for being here. And we all just, uh, we all just listened to a call that I, I really, I felt myself so frustrated, but also so inspired because I heard someone who sounds just like me. And I think so much like all of us, a person who wants to do things and feels like they're not being allowed to do them, a person who comes from a place where maybe you're not the type of person that should be doing things. You come from a place where that's not okay. You're next to a lot of success. You're around a lot of successful people. Caller from Ham- Hamilton, I hope, you, uh, I, hope you find, I hope you find the day gig that you need if you need it. And I hope if you can't, if nobody's handing that to you, that you go and take what you need instead. I think all of us here at the Vulture Festival are... Uh, really feeling that. I want to thank you for calling. I want to thank all you guys for being here and listening. I really enjoyed this experiment. I hope we get to do it again sometime. Was it fun? Was it okay? Good. Good, 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 good. That's awesome. I want to thank the Vulture Festival for having us here. I want to thank the Reverend John Delore. I want to thank Greta Cohn, who are the ones that make the show work. I want to thank Shell Shack, who contributes the music to this show. They're a fantastic bag, a fantastic band, and I hope you support them. Uh, buy their stuff, see them live. They're really incredible. If you want to know more about me, go to thechrisgethardshow.com for info on my TV show. For touring dates, I'm going around a bunch this summer, both in America and Ireland and Scotland. chrisgeth.com for all that. Thank you, everybody who supports this show. If you want to support it more, go to iTunes. You can rate, review, subscribe. We are so close to 1,000 uh, ratings, which is just like a round number that my OCD brain craves. So if you help out, it will help me fall asleep at night. I am more serious about that than I wish to admit. In the meantime, we'll be back next week. I hope you call in someday. Thank you to Benjamin who tweeted at me, nice muscles, man. (laughs) Making me feel bad on my way out the door. Benjamin... (laughs) I'm going to say your full name, Benjamin Des Roches, at It's Really Ben. Make me question my physical appearance at the end of this. Thank you. Thank you guys all so much for the support. It means so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Huge thank you. I want to thank the caller for calling in. I want to thank the live crowd for being part of that experiment. You were part of the very first one. You broke the seal on that. You'll always be able to say that. Thank you guys so, so much. Remember, if you want to call in to Beautiful Anonymous, the way to do it, you just follow me on Twitter. I tweet out the number whenever we're in the studio. Remember, if you like this show, subscribe on iTunes, rate and review. It helps so much more than you can imagine. We got past 1,000 reviews. Let's go for 2,000. Let's teach all these other podcasts who's the top dog. Leave a rating, leave a review, it helps a lot. And we'll see you next time. Beautiful numbers. Let me tell you about the Blue Cash Preferred Card from American Express. With this, you get 6% cash back at U.S. supermarkets on up to $6,000 in purchases. That means 6% cash back on all those cheeses that you can't pronounce, but you eat anyway because you want to impress your friends. And it's a little pretentious, but it's counterbalanced by the fact that that cheese tastes good. Start earning cash back at AmexBlueCash.com. Terms apply. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, you'll, you'll hear this and more. I was wondering if I could talk to you about my mom. 
Yeah. She is in her mid-50s, and she got diagnosed a few years ago with uh, early-onset Alzheimer's. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's kind of shitty. She hasn't been doing as great lately, and it's really scared me a lot. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous. I'm Sarah Thayer. And I'm Susan Orlean. And nothing makes us happier than hearing what makes people cry. On our show, Cry Babies, we talk to comedians, musicians, writers, and other awesome people about what makes them cry. And sometimes we cry too. But it's the good kind of crying. Yeah. Therapeutic. Yeah. Like when Drew Drogi told us why he loves Dead Poets Society. When it came out, I, I loved English. I wanted to be an English teacher. I was obsessed with that whole world, and I boys right. boarding school. I thought that just looked so amazing. <laughs> also, like Robert Sean Leonard was like an actor, and you know, and I just thought that was such a that's such a fabulous thing to be. So listen to Crybabies. Find us on Earwolf, Howl, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Adam Sachs, and Chris Bannon. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.